Handy History Teaching Tips, blogs in a conversational style. Handy History Teaching Tips are conversational podcasts designed to help history teachers with tips, examples and ideas about history teaching. Sally Thorne, that's me, is a head of department and senior examiner. Helen Snelson was a head of department and now trains history teachers. Between us, we have more years classroom history teaching experience than we are going to admit here. Both of us regularly write resources and present at conferences. We are proudly history specific and practical in our approach. Our hope is that this podcast will become something of a problem page for history teachers. Think of Helen and I as your agony aunts. If you're wrestling with something particularly tricky and need some help, drop us an email at handyhistoryteachingtips at gmail.com or tweet us. I'm at Mrs Thorne and Helen is at Snelson H. And we will see what we can cook up between us. Welcome to this podcast, which is our pre-Christmas special, all about recharging, as we all need to, with reading and with listening and with watching. Yeah, so a few people have said to me this term, you know, um, I'd like to do more reading. You can see people um, online talking about, oh, you know, what should I read? What should I do? But they don't really have time to dig about and they need some recommendations, things to listen to and things to read. So um, what I thought, you know, we'd do for our final podcast of 2019 um, is thinking about what we're reading at the moment and uh, what we've enjoyed for this year and what we'd recommend to you. Fantastic. So, um, yeah, I think we should make this a bit of a regular chat because I like chatting about what I'm reading. But yeah. uh, I've begun to sort of think as well about what, what, what I'm doing it for. Well, apart from to escape from the world. But yes, it, it has a really instrumental use, doesn't it? Like improving our knowledge to teach a topic better or um, just to get some ideas or uh, you know, putting the ever evolving and contesting nature of history right at the centre of what we're doing. And I've always loved bringing in stuff I've read into class. Um, But yeah, it's also great modelling for kids. Brilliant to just keep going on at them about general literacy and being a historian and always learning and modelling that. And for a while in um, my department, we had a board, which is what Miss and Sir are reading right now, which was uh, which was quite good. Sometimes hard to keep up with. We thought we were going to do it weekly once but um then realized that that was unrealistic but uh yeah kept chipping away at it which is good but actually i think even bigger i think reading let's not make it always for a purpose it might not have a direct use for lesson but just as we gain more knowledge we make more connections we change the way we view the world and we're changed by what we learn in ways that are really hard to report in an accountability system. Hurrah! But I really, 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 I don't know a good history teacher who doesn't read lots and lots and lots. Do you? No, no. And I think it's just, I I always, I never feel like I can read enough. And um, I'm a bit of a butterfly reader. I I don't often finish a book. I like dipping in and out of lots of different books. I've always got lots of things on the go. But it is like trying to every every book, everything you read, it's just fitting another piece of the puzzle in and being able to make those connections in the classroom. And it leads you then to other reading as well, which is, uh, yes, really great. Um, So come on, what's your first share then? What have you read read this term? Well, so this term I've been looking at um, Insurgent Empire uh, by Priyamvada Gopal power that was um, published around about April this year um, and the full title is Anti-Colonial Resistance and British Ascent um, Insurgent Empire. So I have only dipped into it uh, for help with planning our new Year 8 British Empire unit so that unit's focused on um, the experiences of the colonised and how they um, kind of uh, 
how they felt about being under colonial rule and how they rebelled against the British. Um, but I did find it really, really easy to dip in and out of for this purpose. So um, it's got some really excellent stories in there and perspectives on resistance to the British um, in a wide variety of places. So I've used it um, to look, look at the um, kind of Indian uh, uprising in 1857. And I've also been using it to look at um, uprisings in the Caribbean. Um, and, you know, hopefully I'm going to use it even more next year. So I've really been enjoying that one. Oh, thanks for that one. That's what I need to pick up. Yeah, the one the one uh, I've really, really enjoyed recently is Hungry Empire, um, which is uh, how Britain's quest for food shaped the modern world. That's by uh, Lizzie Collingham. And um, yeah, there are massive issues, aren't there, with how we teach empire? Not least because it's all so big and it's so big over time and so big over place. And there are so many voices that must be in there and heard. Um, and I found that the, this approach actually provided a real interesting reframing of of uh, what I thought I understood um, so I didn't know that Newfoundland salt cod lay at the foundations of the empire from the 16th century and that without it you couldn't have had the slave plantations I thought that was incredible that's that is amazing yeah it's just yeah that this like one well, never really thought about what they ate and how they kept going so obviously they weren't just just eating sugar and also um, just that so many places in the world um, the impact of British rule is is felt so keenly and we're still living with that impact and you want kids to understand that but this I thought was a was a, was a really great way in because um, she also writes about influences side to side within the empire if you like from colony to colony rather than always referring back to the UK but she's really good for myth, boss, myth busting as well um, you know Britain was absolutely not alone in World War Two and drew food as well as men and munitions from across the globe and with disastrous consequences I just I hadn't appreciated that it was a decision by Churchill uh, to protect food imports to Britain in 1943 that was a contributor to the Bengal famine that killed millions. You think, oh my goodness, it really is, you know, big concepts, big ideas, big, big stories and, and just some really great hooks for teaching. So, yeah, I definitely recommend that one. Oh, yeah. That also sounds right up my street. And I remember when I used to teach a unit on uh, food through time, which I still miss. We had to write out the curriculum, didn't fit anymore. But, um, you know, how mind blown I was when he realised about the potato and how important the potato was in Europe and kind of helping to build uh, early empires. And then you think about, yes, and then it was really important in Ireland and then you've got the Irish famine and you can draw parallels between Britain and Ireland and Britain and Bengal. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Off on Brilliant. a time. Um, Go, so, what else yeah so a lot of my uh, reading has been around empire and um the transatlantic slave trade this year because that's kind of been my particular interest i'm doing this historical association teaching fellowship on the transatlantic slave trade and britain um so i've also been looking at akala's natives um, and i i've read through all of that and I thought that was a really really good book so it's it's a bit of a memoir you know of his his kind of life but the thing that i liked most of all about it is the section of the book that deals with abolition so he provides a really good interpretation um of uh, kind of the abolition movement that I think is more reflective of the current debate around that. Um, so, you know, he he kind of rejects this idea that it's all to do with Wilberforce. He talks about being taught that at school and how problematic that is um, and how he felt that, you know, um, the history of, of black people in Britain and in, in the British Empire 
isn't really reflected through that and that kind of chimed in with a lecture that I went to um, earlier this year um, where they gave us a brief historiography of um, of abolition and said you know this idea of, of Wilberforce and and uh, and the, the kind of Whiggish um, suggestion that they all, all came the government were the ones that were responsible for it um then you know that's it's very old-fashioned now so i can definitely recommend that um and it's he's he's he just does it really really neatly um so it's a really easy read and he's he clearly is really passionate um, about it as well um and my final uh, recommendation for empire is is a pretty old book now it's by tristram hunt um it's called 10 cities that made an empire and um i'm just looking up when it was published so it was published in 2014 um and he just goes through 10 different cities that were part of the british empire and um, what i really again something else that i've just dipped into and i bought this when i was teaching about um the american revolution for a level and um, because the first chapter covers boston um so it's just a really nice uh, overview he he deals he does loads of stuff with diaries people that were writing at the time he kind of weaves those quotes all the way through it so i think it is i can i can really highly recommend that one as well Oh, thank you. Yeah, because I missed that one when it came out. That's def- one I definitely must pick up. It's it's funny you talk about how you how you find stuff as well, because um, it was the Historical Association Conference in Chester this year that put me on to Fern Riddell's work. Um, she had the most extraordinary impact on a whole room full of history teachers. There was lots of um, uh, looking up and blinking at the ceiling as she almost made us cry. It was absolutely <laughs> extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. Um, and uh, I, as a result, bought her book, Death in Ten Minutes, which is the forgotten life of radical suffragette Kitty Marion, and uh, loved any, every minute of reading it. And again, I thought I knew a lot about top, that topic, but it's really reframed and connected and challenged my my thoughts. So Kitty Marion um, lived the everyday grinding judge drudge of the music hall life with endemic abusive behaviour to women, abuse of, of power positions by men to women. And actually, on the one hand, it's a real insight into one way that radicalisation could happen. This is a woman that eventually snapped. She just had enough. And it led her to a violent, to become a violent suffrage campaigner. And um, my God, did she suffer. Um, it's really interesting as well, because the Pankhurst, of course, get all the attention. But Marion was force fed many, many more times and was uh, really, really uh, suffered for, for her beliefs. And she, she actually then goes on to lead a, another whole part of her life as a birth control campaigner in the States. And um, again, I just found that really interesting because it all made sense in her life. She had found that she was the product of uh, just a quick liaison and, and, and vowed that she was never going to, to, to get married and give up her freedom and have children because, well, that was one way she could avoid history repeating itself. And it was just really interesting the way Fern Riddell um, I suppose presented a world through a coherent life in a way that I've tended to separate out too much campaigns for women's rights with campaigns for birth control and and this yeah brought it together and just gave me a much better sense of sense of period really really recommend it yeah well she's fantastic I was really lucky for, to hear Fern Riddell speak at um, a conference in Bristol that I took students to um, last year and she was just she blew me away she was so good to listen to 
Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to have a look at that one. Um, now we've we've got a little section now for podcasts. There's some some podcasts that we like. Obviously, you should listen to us. But if you're hearing this, then you are already listening to us. So uh, some other kind of more history ones that we really like. Um, this year, I've I've discovered and really like Throughline, um, which is a an, an NPR um, podcast. Uh, so it's it the focus of it is kind of an alternative um, perspective on various histories. The one that I've liked the most so far is called Three Chords and a Truth and the Truth, which is a, a um, interview with Ken Burns. And the way he talks about history in that was so good, I nearly cried. I was like, I must make everybody that I teach listen to this, and I've made nobody that I teach listen to that, but I will do <laughs> because it is a really really good one. And um, I've also been working my way through the Intrigue series, so I started with the the first one which was murder at the lucky holiday hotel it was carrie gracie i love her so that was really uh, good to listen to it's kind of um a chinese murder mystery um and i'm about halfway through ratline and i gather helen that you've already listened to tunnel 29 and you can recommend that one. Oh, definitely uh, you're going to love the rest of the ratline as well though tunnel 29 is just uh, so tense well it's 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 the berlin wall um i'll come on to that one again and think later but uh, the other one i've really enjoyed which is sort of drawing on history to to, to comment on uh, uh, the contemporary Britain is the uh, BBC Radio 4 How Others See Us, which uh, is Neil McGregor. Um, and oh God, particularly the one on Poland, uh, just brought home from the perspective of commentators in Poland, just how unwilling Britain is to acknowledge how much we needed our allies in World War II as a country and, and how much Britain let them down and, and, and that Britain therefore became partly complicit in what happened to Poland and and also it's hard listen because respect for the UK is as you'd expect much diminished in in recent years so um yeah a bit depressing that one come on it's Christmas let's cheer ourselves up <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe that's one for uh, yeah for after Christmas uh, well speaking of Christmas do you have any Christmas reads that you're really hoping for yeah, well, I mean, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm a sad old history nerd that just can't get enough history books. So it's the time over Christmas to sit with a big book, the sort of thing that I couldn't possibly start in October or November. So I'm going to be ploughing my way through Diane Purvis's The English Civil War, A People's History. It It's fab. It's written really, really well. And actually, um, Ruth Lingard and I are busy uh, prepping our HA conference session. Uh, so uh, it's partly homework, but also, um, yeah, I'm going to enjoy getting back to that period because I haven't uh, looked at it for quite a while. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Um, and I'm really hoping for um, H- Hazel Carby's Imperial Intimacies. So I think that's the, my favourite history thing that I've done all year was I went to a lecture with her um, in Bristol around about February. And it just it, I, th- I feel like it changed my whole life. So listening to her, she just um, she grew up as the uh, in Wales um, as the daughter of a, a white mother and a, a Caribbean father who'd worked, who'd served in the Air Force. And um, it's kind of a memoir um, of uh, his family and and their kind of experiences in the Caribbean in this kind of post-colonial Jamaica and um, the the lecture that she gave was based on what she's written in the book and I cannot wait to read that book because like I said I thought the lecture was basically life-changing so uh, yeah huge I'm, I'm sure I will be talking about that in a future podcast. <laughs> We're still sounding a bit worthy though come on what are you watching <laughs> for fun? Okay okay so for fun now I am I am a, a, a bit of a fan of the historical fiction um, so I've read a couple of good historical fictions this year one that's definitely not fun but I can really recommend is Marlon James the Book of Night Women um, which is uh, set on a plantation um, in the Caribbean 
um, during slavery and it's kind of written in patois so it's it's a really interesting read um i just i was completely consumed by it. i couldn't put it down which is a bit embarrassing because i was on a trip with other teachers so they were just like oh what are you doing oh you're reading again yeah no you have to read this book it's so good so uh, that one something that i'm just coming up to the end of is beneath a scarlet sky by mark sullivan um, and this was recommended to me by lily who's in my year 11 class and it is the story of a, a kind of um, partisan and spy in the uh, in Italy. Uh, so he lived in Italy during the Second World War. Um, starts off as kind of a, a guide in the mountains for people escaping, and then goes on and um, to be a driver for for a, a kind of leading Nazi. Um, so I, I'm about uh, I'm nearly finished with it, but I again um, once I got into it, I just haven't really been able to put it down to the expense actually of the latest C.J. Sansom, which I've started, um, but not I, I've just been savouring it because. I think I think C.J. Sansom is probably my favourite, and Tombland is the seventh um, in the Shard. I think it's the seventh in the Shard Lake series, and it's set during the Ket Rebellion, and um, so uh, it kind of appeals to my uh, my Tudor nerd, um, it, my my quest for more Tudor knowledge to make my A-level teaching better. So that's going to be really what I'm. What, well, that's what I'm taking on holiday with me over Christmas. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. And I'll, I'll, yeah. <laughs> has it come out in paperback yet? Because my copy has. of Tudor is, is doorstop size. Fantastic. Yes, it is in paperback, but it is also doorstop size. It's huge. Anyway, my big, uh, my big excitement for 2020 is Series 3 of Babylon Berlin. And if you have not watched Babylon Berlin, History Teachers, you have a treat in store. And if you can find out what's going on all the time, let me know when you've watched it. It's, um, it's the biggest, uh, for those that don't know, German TV uh, series ever produced and uh, it's all set in 19 first two series set in 1929 Berlin what's Dr Love goes all the way back to to, to World War One right through the Nazis don't actually make an appearance till the very end of uh, of uh, series two it's really really fascinating insight into there's great music there's there's the cabaret there's the the Freikorps there's the communists they're all fighting each other there's like criminality there's ah oh, it's yeah it's really good really good crime noir good sort of fiction but you know set in a historical context so definitely my recommendation for a good uh, good historical fiction watch would be babylon berlin mm, yeah i'm definitely going to box set that over christmas that's yeah, really yeah, good really good that's one for the christmas cake you know when you're sick of strictly and sparkles and things like that that's yeah. good. okay right, well and so i think that's it isn't it happy yeah, christmas, yeah. everyone happy christmas sally and uh yeah, yeah, we'll be back Christmas. in January with some more of these. Um, yeah. Do let us know um, if what you would like us to to talk about and what's useful for you, and we'll try and shape this series into 2020 to uh, to work for you. But meanwhile, um, all the best. Have a really, really, really good rest, and uh, all the best for 2022. Yeah, enjoy your enjoy your Christmases and New Year's. Okay, <laughs> take care. Bye. Thanks. Bye.